Brady Saar, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services, Erskine. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Conan in studio. We'll have an update from Whitney Pittman, and we have a special guest, so hang tight. Net farm income down more than 20% from last year's record high. USDA forecasting farm profits this year at $151 billion, down from $183 billion in 2022. Economic Research Service Administrator Spiro Stefano said farm debt is increasing, but the value of farm assets is growing at a faster rate. Stefano feels the result is a fairly healthy financial situation for the farm sector. Direct government payments are expected to total just over $12 billion this year, down more than 22% from last year. For individual commodities, this new report estimates cash receipts from corn production down more than 10% from a year ago. Soybean receipts forecast to decline 6%. Lower wheat prices cut overall wheat receipts by 1.3%. For animal agriculture, cash receipts declined more than 18% for milk, nearly 17% for cattle and calves, 14% for hogs, and 3.3% for turkeys. When adjusted for inflation, the new USDA report says farm production expenses are in line with 2022. Interest expenses had the most significant increase, up nearly 43% from 2022. Fertilizer expenses declined 14%. As mentioned, special guest in studio this morning, we're joined by Minnesota Farm Bureau President Dan Glessing. Dan, a dairy farmer from Wright County. You're on the road uh, for county meetings, uh, the Rosso County uh, uh, Farm Bureau meeting held last night. Uh, let's talk federal issues, Dan. First of all, um, what... Uh, of course, the farm bill, we've got a one-year extension that we're looking at uh, election year as well. Do you think we can get this across the finish line? Well, certainly hope so, and that's that's kind of our message is let's get this thing done uh, in the first quarter. And, and there's no need to hurry, but there is a reason to hurry. Um, the, the the text is there. We've heard the text is there, and the bill is, is for the most part, written. Of course, you got to go through the, the technicalities of it, but um, certainly want to see that done before – presidential politics kind of come into play and and uh, you know we've talked about a lot of great changes we can have in that farm bill without spending a, a lot of money um, but but at the end of the day we need to get that done been a lot of talk too about labor issues can something like that get resolved here within the administration or does that take congressional action that's going to be a, a an uphill battle although we're we have farm bureau are, are really having those conversations we actually have a special meeting coming up here in about two weeks uh, out in dc and uh, bringing all the state presidents and, and some of the staff in and talk about what what can we see in this in the the guest worker program and how do we change that so that it works and it's affordable for farmers and, and ranchers the USMCA uh, US was challenging Canada as it relates to market access for dairy products it didn't go in our direction in the announcement that we had uh, late last week what's what's your reaction there what recourse do we have well certainly disappointing and and um, you know the those those trade trade agreements are really written to help facilitate that trade and, and when it's not being fair and equitable we're we're, we're str struggling to 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 find the, the merits in it if, if it's not going to be fair and equitable. And, and so, uh, you know, challenging it again, I, I, I mean, probably is the, the route that they're going to go, but I don't know um, if we're going to see a, a different outcome. You never know until, until you're there. At, uh, at state level, Minnesota's got that trifecta in place, the House, the governor, uh, Senate, the governor, all from the same party. 
Do you see, expect anything different in this year's session after a very active session last year? No, I think it's going to be active again. Um, certainly, we kind of know uh, what the issues are going to be coming coming at us, and, and so we're we're a little better positioned, and, and uh, our, our policy supports agriculture, whether it's uh, uh, Republicans or Democrats. We don't we, we don't necessarily dictate uh, which party we're working with, but at the end of the day, our policy needs to promote agriculture and, and rural living, really. Uh you typically join us at Prairie Grange. You're going to be in D.C. at that time uh, this upcoming uh, December, a couple of weeks here. Uh, tell me what's on, on the slate there. What are you looking at, Dan? Well, certainly kind of like the, the county grassroots uh, sends resolutions into uh, the state resolution committee. This is kind of the, the national side of that where the states we approved at our, our annual meeting here a couple weeks ago. Uh, we, we approved resolutions to send to, to American Farm Bureau, and so that that resolutions committee is made up of all 50 state presidents and um, Puerto Rico, uh, and then we get together and, and discuss what uh, what we think sh should go forward to the delegate floor and, and where they should be positioned in the book, et cetera. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's that's the grassroots process, and and so um, that's what we're going to be doing. Instead of unfortunately, I can't make it to Prairie Grains, but uh, we'll be in D.C. Good deal. Good to have you in studio with us. Dan Glossing, Minnesota Farm Bureau President. This is the Red River Farm Network. To, uh, Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Property rights and pipelines. Part of the afternoon discussion at the South Dakota Farmers Union Convention in Huron. Domina Law Group Managing Attorney Brian Jordy sees the legislature as an opportunity to update private property rights policy. This effort began last year. Uh, unfortunately, we got to an unfriendly um, committee in the Senate where it was designed to be killed, and that's what happened. No one thought we'd have a second chance because Summit was supposed to be approved, according to Summit, by the PUC this summer. We were able to beat that back just like Navigator. And so this is a golden opportunity that can't be squandered. There almost certainly will not be a third bite at the apple. And so I urge everyone there to get real serious, real fast on um, getting on the same page and pulling in the same direction on common sense, eminent domain reform in the legislature this session. Brown County Commissioner Drew Dennert was also part of this panel discussion on landowner rights. Brown County originally had a moratorium in place and now has a 1,500-foot setback. Dennert, who's a former state legislator, ex legislator expects the hot topic uh, to be a hot topic in Pierre. We have the momentum at this point. A lot of legislators, even some legislators who I would not have assumed would be friendly, are kind of considering supporting this. So the more we can do um, as farmers and ranchers to support our legislators to do the right thing is going to be huge. The Minnesota Canola Symposium yesterday in Roseau, Intellifarm market analyst Brian Voth uh, taking a contrarian view to the canola market yesterday at that meeting. Voth sees stagnant export demand. Short term, I guess I'm going to say probably sideways to probably a little bit higher. Longer term, though, I'm still the bearish guy, and that's a little bit abnormal for me. Normally, I'm the bullish guy. I can find a, a case for things to go up, but... To me, I think we're still coming down off of these 21, 22 highs, and I don't think we have found our ultimate floor price yet. Both says canola demand is shifting. The biggest problem with canola has been the supply side. You know, there's more demand than what we actually have ability to fill. So all it's going to take is one good production year, and then that supply side will be fixed, and the demand can probably go back to more, quote-unquote, normal levels. 
But even in you know Western Canada and to extent in the U.S. as well, the demand is shifting because more and more crush plants are coming online, and there will be a couple more in the next few years as well. And so there's going to be more domestic demand. So the demand is actually going to end up shifting to more crush and a little bit less on the export side. Due to low water levels, ships are backed up and waiting to move through the Panama Canal. The Panama Canal Authority is responding by offering an additional slot with it going for the highest bid. Vessels waiting 10 days or more are eligible to participate in the auction. By February, the PCA plans to reduce the number of daily transits through the Panama Canal from 32 per day to only 18. H.J. O'Neill Consulting is reporting these auction slots can sell for 2 to $4 million. For a ship hauling grain that wins an auction slot for $2 million, the freight cost from the U.S. to the Gulf uh, to China will increase by 50%. Corn and soybean markets will be watching for the Chinese trade and tax policy. That, according to top third ag marketing senior risk manager Ed Dugan. Uh, ag Secretary Vilsack said he believes China is going to come back to the, to the market for corn from the U.S. And then there's also, you know, a lot of... Uh, tax cuts for uh, uh, sustainable aviation uh, fuel that are up for, up for debate here between now and the end of the year. So something to keep an eye on. According to the U.S. Grains Council Corn Harvest Quality Report, the 2023 corn heart crop was the largest crop on record with the lowest percentage of broken corn and foreign material. 88% of samples tested met the requirements for number one grade. Nearly 97% met the grade for U.S. number two. Council will present these findings to global grain buyers in a series of meetings beginning December 12th. Most farm prices moved lower from September to October nationally. Corn averaged 4.93 per bushel in October. That's down from 5.21 in September. USDA's monthly update on ag prices said soybeans averaged 12.70 a bushel down from 1320 in September. This is the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Cattle futures have seen have uh, been volatile the last several sessions, but cash sales have had more stability. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. Kist Livestock Auction Company field representative Matt Lockenmeyer says while cash prices have backed off some this fall, they have been steadier than some may have expected. You know, we started off early this fall with an extremely well market that was uh, putting in some extreme highs, and, and cattle were selling extremely well. And, and then as we got into the rush of the cattle and, and more numbers, as cattle started coming to town, you know, we saw them, the markets kind of pull back a little bit and ended up losing probably 15 to 20 cents on the markets. And, and our cash hung in rather well as we drifted into November time. Then we started seeing that market kind of reset itself a little bit with some heavy down days in the futures and and the cattle cash still held in relatively well but we ended up you know pulling a lot of them cattle back on the futures. As the fall feeder run begins to taper off, Lockenmeyer sees promise for producers marketing calves into the new year. Cattle I think will remain rather steady going into the new year. You know we could see this cattle value kind of increase as we go in with less numbers you know, we'll probably see that market support itself a little bit better and, and probably add a little bit of value into them cattle, especially with the cattle numbers being down and, and moving quite a few cattle this fall, some heavy, heavy numbers being moved from, from summer sales all the way through the fall. 
I think you ought, you'll end up seeing a, a well-supported market moving into the new year with, with probably some advances forward, maybe not as high as we got before, but we could see this market definitely pick up probably another 15 to 25 cents. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. Checking those numbers, we have Minneapolis wheat, the March contract down a dime right now, 719 and a half. Chicago wheat for March down 7 cents, 591. The quote, the hard red winter wheat down 9 and a half. March corn down 2 and 3 quarters. And the soybeans for January down by 11 and 3 quarter cents, 1331. And uh, 1331 even is that quote. Uh, again, just uh, quickly, Dan Glossing in studio this morning, president of Minnesota Farm Bureau. Dan, I was looking at the schedule. Minnesota Farm Bureau involved with an urban ag program uh, in January in the Twin Cities. Tell me the, the thought behind that process. Well, certainly it's a, a part of agriculture that we don't have a lot of representation within our membership, and how do we uh, address that? And so this is a this is a way to do that and really uh, have that perspective and bring that into our membership because we do want you know as a general farm organization we want all the all the sides represented and, and um, heard from and have have policy that can support agriculture no matter what form or, or what it looks like makes so much sense again that's coming up in January Dan thanks again for making a stop here at the studio this morning yeah it's my pleasure had to do it. Dan Glessing, Minnesota Farm Bureau President, and that's our Country Morning Broadcast. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.